0: talk us through those 80 minutes.
1: No, we prepared to win. We knew that we were here to make history. The whole week, that's what we told ourselves. And you know what? I'm so proud of the boys. Absolutely humbled. And the guys came out. They played with enormous testicles, goals. And we absolutely did it. Fantastic effort. I'm such a happy captain. All right, all right, all
0: right. Kickoff round two. I'm here with Nick again, um, and we're going to talk with another Nick about uh, Western Sydney Rugby um, Subbies and generally what's going on in Western Sydney. Ain't that right, Nick?
1: Yeah, it's been a little while since we've done one of these. I think it's like been about a month or so. It's, uh, um, but you know, I think you know, considering all the stuff going on behind, you know, with the Wallabies being so. Prominent and stuff, and uh, I think this has slipped under a lot of people's radar, and I think it's a topic we should talk about.
0: Yeah, backed by popular demand, Nick means to say.
1: Yes,
0: backed by popular demand. That's the that's um, yeah. So that's a bit of a Nick special today. We've got three Nicks on the podcast, including myself. So I'm I'm Nick. I'll be heartsy, and we've got you know as always uh, Wozzy or Nick Vasiliev over here. And today our guest will be none other than uh, Nick Fitzy Fitzner.
2: That's me. Fitzy's here. Fitzy in the (laughs) house. I am so. I am way too white to be saying that, I tell you. Oh. Uh, It's 2018. You
0: can't say that anymore. Um, Can't you?
2: Oh, is it like a name? Is it dead already? (laughs) I don't know. I'm like, it's my 42nd birthday today, guys, so I'm too old for all this. Oh, thank you.
0: And you're doing a podcast. oh.
2: 21 again.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so we brought you on here today because we want to talk a bit about Western Sydney rugby. Yep. And Jeff Lemon follows you on Twitter, so we thought, you know. Oh,
2: superstar. You're,
0: you're, yeah. you're a big deal. You're a big deal.
2: I don't know. Yeah. Jeff's easily amused, clearly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, so, so you're president of Rouse Hill Renegades?
2: Yeah, that's right. The club's been yep. around for about, uh, well, first season was t- 2007, so I've been president last two seasons.
0: Oh, oh it's quite young. Um, so how does Rouse Hill, so you, you're quite young, how does Rouse Hill uh, interact with, like,
2: Shoot Shield? Uh, not at all. Um, I have made the remark to Suburban Rugby, a.k.a. Subbies, that when we send in the forms to please request a Waratah to come to our training sessions, we don't even get the courtesy of a, nah, piss off. Um, not that I'm expecting them to be rude about it, but it would be nice just to say, oh, look, fellas, sorry, but it's pre-season, or sorry, but they're out of town or something. But you know, So we, we don't really get to Waratah's level. We don't tend to get to shoot shield level. Um, where we're based in our hill there, it's, Kind of that gap between Parramatta and Penrith, and you know that's kind of they've got their own problems to deal with. Obviously, um, when they're a club and not kicked out, but you know, as a fifth division subbies club, we don't tend to get a lot of a uh, lot of notice, and it's not for lack of trying, I tell you.
0: So that's, that's no good. So you
2: have to go through subbies, who then go through. Are they they're attached to New South Wales? Oh you- yeah, they're in the. They're in the middle of a restructure at the moment, and it's it was explained to me at the divisional meeting at the start of the year where they're gonna they're just gonna change the governance model a little so that it on the on the first surface of it it's it's they're not gonna be just kind of separate organisations on little islands anymore. There's gonna be a bit of a tighter integration, and I think Andrew Hoare at um, New South Wales has driven a lot of that. And it you know it looks much better. It looks like a better structure, but at the end of the day, you're still you know, if you're a little club, you're still a little club in Western Sydney, and you know you can squeak all you want, but you're probably not going to get the uh, not going to get the grease.
0: So, do you believe that the restructure would give you a bit more squeak? Do you think it's like a genuine thing, or is it all power?
2: Yeah, look, a cynical part of me, which is probably about eighty six or eighty seven percent, would say shuffling the deck chairs. Um, but I, I think there's merit in what they're attempting. You know, good, good restructures don't um, don't just say this is how it's going to be and it's going to work for the next 20 years. I think they're moving it around because what they've got isn't necessarily working um, and, you know, the old definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're making the right moves, I think, in this case. And it might be a first step and they might, you know, go ahead with a five-year plan on this. But at the same time, they might just park it there and, you know, things will just continue on the way it is.
1: Other Nick, so you haven't seen any, like, since the whole new model's come in, come in there hasn't been any, is there, has there been any improvement with the engagement between, like, his clubs and New South Wales rugby, or is it just purely at an admin level still in, in its kind of infancy? Oh,
2: I think it's still even embryonic. You might say they're, they're, they're moving those deck chairs as we speak. They're trying to get that, that, that tighter structure in together. And what it means is there'll be, you know, there'll be a subbies rep at New South Wales rugby level, for example. And that's something that hasn't really happened so far to my knowledge. Going, going back to Hartsey's point about power, um, you know, it's not it's funny, you know, the older I get, I used to think when I was a young bloke, I'd be in the corporate world sort of, you know, recognition would come with achievement of your task, but it's actually who you know. And, you know, that's just becoming more apparent the older I get. Um, you get a pat on the head for good work, but if you want to get anywhere, you got to know people. And, and my latest job is, is a result of networking. It just sort of fell on my lap. But going back to rugby, it's really about if you had someone – in subbies who was passionate about subbies and influential at a higher level because of who they knew that would probably be a a good thing but at the same time if you lose that person um or if their desire to move upwards overrides their desire to be passionate about subbies you potentially have an issue with that so it'll be interesting to see how it works out over the next couple of seasons um i guess the point i keep making about about suburban rugby, and we I'm only looking at it from the point of a little club, and I, I know everyone's got the challenges, but the, the clubs in the top three divisions out of six are all big clubs. Um, they've generally been around for a few decades at least. You know, you're probably talking 40-plus years for most of them. They've usually got a fairly healthy juniors program, which is very hard to start from scratch, um, and they've got facilities. And that's something. So my, my club and a couple of others I know that go to council cap in hand and and ask for a, for a field. You know, we, we don't have showers or changing sheds on our field. We got electricity last year. That was a good start. (laughs) Um, so rather than having, rather than having to wheel the barbecue out of the shipping container every week, we can run a, run a pie warmer. So that's, that's progress. But, um, you know, the, the, the only club I think I've seen in the top divisions is Redfield Old Boys. And they have a different kind of advantage in that they pick up a few guys, not many, but a few from the, the college every year to come and play in the cult side and then they might graduate into, into, um, into the seniors. And they're, they're, you know, sort of a Western Sydney club, but they kind of would align themselves with Eastwood if they could.
0: Uh, Redfield, uh, Redfield is Dural, right? Yeah, exactly, yep. Is that um, Fat Cat's old club?
2: Because he's up from that way he's mm-hmm. so he was Dural juniors I believe but he may have moved straight down to Eastwood um, shortly after that because if you if you draw a line kind of so we're in the Northwest really um, not the west-west, but if you draw a line north of Eastwood mm. it's a bit of a funnel you pick up you know your William Clark College at Castle Hill and Redfield old boys at Dural and, and that sort of thing and uh, sorry Redfield College. And they'll align themselves with Eastwood. So Hills Rugby, not that far from me. Um, in fact, they're just to the south of me. But their juniors are aligned with Eastwood, whereas North West Rugby, which is you know around the corner from my house, is is aligned with um, Parramatta. So some very like a good like a good federal election. There's some very carefully selected boundaries depending on you know who you know.
0: So you guys are with Para. As well?
2: We would effectively fall under Parramatta. Um, you know, if we oh. if we still had our juniors program running, unfortunately I had to cut it this year due to lack of interest. Um, oh really? Yeah, yeah. Going back to my point about having to start a juniors program, we had um, minis, sixes, and sevens, just trying to roll it on for years and years, and then we lost a good coach because Saturday work, which is another huge challenge for the Western Sydney, the blue collar rugby um, fan or player or volunteer or um, you know administrator. Um, I'm a, I'm a desk jockey, so, you know, Saturdays are generally pretty free for me. Um, but there's not a lot of guys fall under that. I've, I lost a, my first grade fly half this week um, because he's found a new job and he's doing 15-hour days on North Connects. And, um, you know, he sometimes has stuff to do on Saturdays that's work-related. So asking him to finish work at, you know, 2 o'clock, go and clean up and then be at Rose Bay by... 3.15 for kickoff or 2.30 for warm-up, a bit of a strain. Mm. Um, yeah. And that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to cry poor about that because, you know, clubs like Newport have to travel ridiculous distances because they're way up on the peninsula. Um, you know, n- nobody really has it easy with the travel thing except maybe the First Division doesn't have to go that far anymore since Campbelltown Harlequin's got sick of subbies crap and, and left. Where are they now? Um, they've gone down to join the Illawarra Comp. So oh. they they had a year where they couldn't field a fifth grade. First Division's five plus Colts. Um, and they went to subbies at the start of the year and said, we can't field fifth grade. And and they didn't get a good hearing and they just started to get punished for for not fielding teams. And then it dropped to three teams plus Colts. And then eventually they just had enough and, and walked off, um, took their ball, so to speak, and left. But, you know, that... That's Hornsby did the same thing eventually. You know, they were the kind of northern edge of, of the Subbies comp in Division Two at one stage, and then they joined the Central Coast comp because it was just better for them. Um, it, it's worth pointing out that Subbies declared amateur status three years ago, maybe three or four years ago, while the Central Coast and the Illawarra comps are still paid. So there may be, there may, I don't know either way, <laughs> there may be money involved in, in those moves.
0: Yeah, no doubt.
1: Do you think that um, distance plays a big part in how rugby is now affected in Western Sydney? I mean, because like before, we want to lead in and talk about the Shoot Shield and all the stuff that was that went on with Penrith. Um, mm. do you
2: think
1: the actual effect of um, of distance, particularly within Western Sydney, and the actual structure of Western Sydney plays a big role in how rugby clubs are affected.
2: I think so. Um... Okay, so disclaimer at the start. Distance affects everybody. If you go and look at a club that has to travel out to Blue Mountains in Division 2, and I encourage everybody, go to Subby's website, rugby.net.au, go and have a look at the draws and results, and have a look at a team at home versus a team away. And, you know, the ones sitting around the middle of the table are there because they can win their home games because everyone shows up, but they can't travel. The teams at the top are the ones who travel well. Um, but it's not everybody. So distance affects everybody. Um, in terms of Western Sydney, I think the the paradigms change a little because you've got more blue-collar guys. So um, when you have, you know, you've just got enough for two grades, say, first and seconds, and then you got to travel to, to Rose Bay and you've got to kick off at 2 p.m. for second grade, you – have to get guys there by sort of one thirty to pick a team and warm up and, and get ready. Now, it's all right for us because we've got a social grade whenever we run seconds. You know, that's okay for some clubs. But, for example, if you're a sixth division club, you've got one grade. Um, if you're blue-collar guys and he's – so there's two teams in the Shire this year, Baroneer and um, North Cronulla, the Sea Lice, they're back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And a great, great name. I think they were rendered <laughs> in the 80s, and then, then they started the clubs. Yeah, North Cronulla Sea Lice, brilliant. So Aussie. But um, so there, there's those two clubs down there, literally in, in Cronulla. Boronia are just off the just back from the beach, a couple of Ks. Um, and Angadine are down that way as well. They're playing against Dundas Valley out near Eastwood, and they're playing against Collaroy and DY and Wakehurst, who are all on the North Shore. And I think the only team that's sort of even remotely close to central is Chatswood. Now, you think about that away trip, if you had to run more than one grade, mm. you're, you're driving 90 minutes through a crap load of traffic on a Saturday afternoon, and it's not a good look. I, I think, and I've suggested to subbies on a couple of occasions, um, pretty politely, actually. I surprised myself sometimes. But the um, – the uh, regionality of competitions needs to be thought about. The divisional structure is the more teams you can field, the higher division you're in, but there's no consideration given to, to how you get there because it's still, hey, Saturday, Saturdays is rugby day and we're all white collar and it's, you know, it gives that impression of a, a white collar private school game. Whereas if you had a competition out here, um, you know, in the northwest quadrant of Sydney, if you like, you could have. There's, there's several clubs out here. You know, there's Blue Mountains to the west. There's Hawkesbury AG, Hawkesbury Valley Hills Rugby. There's us Blacktown. Um, you know, a couple of other clubs in around. Where if you had a club like ours playing second and third grade, because we couldn't field a first grade against some of these clubs. Some clubs that have four teams. Some would have two. Some have had would have one, you know but as long as someone can fill those spots it makes travel down to half an hour and I use an example of the local soccer association in the hills here they were traveling to Parramatta Granville and they got sick of, of the travel so they made their own association furthest home game I think is 25 or 30 minutes furthest away game sorry mm-hmm. 25 or 30 minutes that's that's massive when we're talking maybe 90 minutes to two hours for some teams
0: Yeah, I think they also got sick of playing. um, You know, although the Hills people playing Granville and whatnot,
2: yeah, exactly,
0: uh, wouldn't be a fun game. Well, yeah, yeah,
2: look, (laughs) it'll depend, but sure, you know, there'll be other reasons involved, no doubt. Um, But yeah, you know, they they, and their clubs are fielding hundreds, and I've got probably sixty on the books, maybe fifty-five. I don't count me anymore. I'm retired. (laughs) I got dumped on my head the other week, so that's the oh really. No, I got a yellow card for it.
0: Oh,
2: okay. Yeah. It was a real... No TMO um,
0: needed? No TMO? Yeah,
2: no. No TMO available, I think is what the word you're looking for. But uh, I'm the only qualified touch judge for our club who um, usually doesn't play, but I had to play that day because it was front row. Anyway, um, you know, right. that that's... That, the other. I guess the other thing, too, is if you want to start a subbies club tomorrow and you want to enter sixth division, first grade is still first grade you're going to come up against some really, really tough teams. And so if you can't survive that, and there's been at least one club I know of in the last five years who started in sixth division and, you know, were successful and then couldn't increase their numbers. And eventually the guys who started the club with great enthusiasm, just life changed and they had to leave and that was it, club gone. Um, and there have been 10 clubs that, I have played against in the the sort of dozen years I've been playing subbies that our our little club has played against, and they're gone. They're gone. So oh. you know it, it's a tough it's a tough environment for a small club, um, and I think there's things we need to start doing to improve that. Um, not least of which is, is is showing a bit of love west of the M3. That'd be nice. Mm, absolutely, I'd agree with
0: that. Um, so, so, speaking of these uh, – sorry, Nick, do you want to go?
1: No, no, Matt,
0: you, you go ahead. Uh, so, speaking of these distances you're talking about, um, uh, like, so like Nick mentioned before, Penrith was cut. Um, mm. Just talking of your subbies experience, do you think that was, you know, do you think that's why Penrith were cut? or Look,
2: I don't – we've had guys come to us from Penrith – um because they were sick of getting belted every week. We've had guys go back to Penrith because they were playing with, you know, their mates. Um, you know, the the there certainly wasn't any money involved. Um, you know, these were good guys. Uh we had a, a 2010 Premiership winning second grade side and I think of the twenty we used in that team that day twelve of them went straight over to Penrith the next year. And we fated them like they didn't want for a drink. Uh, at the Edamoga pub for, you know, as long as they needed it. But um, the, the rumours you hear about Penrith is, you know, um, the administration, the back office wasn't great. Um, the the beatings are obviously a problem. Um, the issues of getting teams to train together, not because guys didn't want to train, it's just that they had to work on a Wednesday night. A lot of shift workers, we have that problem too. Guys are working shifts. They're working a warehouse Wednesday night, can't make it. Sorry, coach. Um, they turn up at Saturday twenty minutes before kickoff because they just finished the shift and they had to drive across town. And you know, that the in a lot of ways they're more dedicated than heaps of other guys who've got the free time on Saturday to do it. Um, you know, Penrith Penrith's back office had rumours about it not being as good as it could be. You look at Jeremy Paul went through there in a year. Julian Huxley went through there in a year. The last coach, Pete Niemata, actually was playing in that 2010 second grade championship team for us. Um, you know, his experience um, as a squatty up at the Reds was evident. I mean, fantastic player. Um, I guess it's it's... A club without as much money as some of the eastern suburbs clubs, it's a cult system that is almost running to feed Sydney rugby, um, but all the talent just gets hoovered east. It just flows um, like a river. If you're a, if you're a good kid um, playing in in a, in a western Sydney suburbs club or a junior program, you know, you've probably got a big target on your chest. And with the money that some clubs can offer in Premier Rugby, Um, or the opportunities via cults, you'd be mad not to take it. Um, So cohesion and continuity are a big part of that, I think. And, um, you know, you can't – I see both sides of the the equation. I don't think anyone can honestly say that, you know, Penrith were helped um, greatly by the powers that be. Um, you know, it, it was apparent years ago that they were getting thrashed and that nothing was changing. What was anybody doing about that? Nothing because, um, in, in Sydney rugby, particularly once you generate success, you ring fence it and you keep everyone out. You know, there's, there's clubs that have success and they, it's success breeds success. And anyone comes along and tries to learn from them or wants to, wants a piece of the action, they'll get, they'll talk to the hand. Um, That I think that's a big factor in rugby, and that's not just Penrith versus everyone; that's everyone versus everyone. It's a real problem for rugby. And I I did a long and windy tweet about um, a team of under twelve, Parramatta Rep team that my coach actually coaches. Um, They beat everyone. I mean, they they scored. I think over the course of the state championships, this under twelve side scored something in the order of 230 points and conceded 17. Wow. over the course of half a dozen games. No one even came close to them. And these kids love that coach and they love playing rugby and they love playing for each other. Um, where do they go when they hit under 14, 15, 16s and suddenly there's no under 18 competition anymore out here for them? Do they go to a private school? Do they go to a GPS, SA, AES, CAS, whatever? and get lost to the system or get put on the pathway, the magical pathway that some of these kids end up on, um, because you won't see them in club land again after that um, unless they go to one of the premier clubs. So,
0: Do you think a lot of those sorts of kids just go to NRL?
2: There's a, Yeah, look, um, and I made the joke that uh, the Rugby News put up the article as great signs for Parramatta and Penrith as they fought out the under-12 grand final. I said more like great signs for NRL scouts and private schools, um, because, you know, they could just go and pick these kids up. You know, some of these kids are from Islander families and they don't have a lot, and scholarship, opportunity, education, um, potential professional or semi-professional career. Again, mad not to take it. Um, I just think there's... There's, when you look at some of the budgets that some of the eastern club suburbs clubs are throwing around and some of the budgets that Parramatta and, and Penrith and, you know, clearly Gordon this year are operating with, um, there's a disparity there and you're always going to lose talent. Um, and you need serious depth in the shoot shield to, to be competitive, um, you know, for that first grade side. Gordon picked up a few key injuries and they've been shipping, you know, 50, 60 points every week. Um, you know, they're going to have yeah. a tough season. Penrith have been shipping 100 points plus every week. Um, their, their third grade cults will have the odd win. Um, that's because they're probably putting some of their talent back in third grade to get a win, but it's temporary. It doesn't, doesn't generate anything long term. You know, that one win is, is, you know, it's like a candle being blown out. It's done. And then next week you're traveling to Sydney University and you're getting belted. Um, yeah. It, so, if you rolled back 10 years and you said to Penrith Rugby, all right, how can we help you? And I think this is the biggest thing. It's not just about throwing money at a club to buy players. It's not just about um, providing coaches. I think there is a missing link here, and it's about helping people administer a club. Um, I'm fortunate in that I'm, you know, I'm running a little club and I've got a great bunch of volunteers, committee, and, you know, we, we fight hard for what we get. Um, and We've learned not to be, you know, too grateful or too quiet about anything but you've got to stick your hand up and you've got to you got to work hard and and try things out um and even then you're still going to have stuff stacked against you and i think and i've suggested to subbies wouldn't it be great if in addition to you know training with some of these bigger subbies clubs or turning up and having a night with them and seeing how they do things wouldn't it be great to sit down with the administrators and find out how they do stuff because I think, honestly, some of the little clubs struggle because they just can't dot the I's and cross the T's sometimes. And I've certainly learned a lot in the last year and a half um, running a club, keeping on top of everything. And
0: So you mean like how like, Rod Kafe is now doing the coaching for coaches. You think there should be a, a coaching for administrators as well?
2: Does Rod Kafer have enough TVs to do that job? <laughs> like, should he be Skyping that out on video as well? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's probably, you'd need a big TV to get around his knobbing. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, lovely bloke, I'm sure. Lovely bloke, and his heart's in the right place. There seems to be a bit of jobs for the boys about that, though. Um, I'm not aware yeah. of Rod Kafer's professional qualifications as a coach, whether he's a level two qualified or above. Uh, I certainly haven't heard of him coaching anyone. Does he coach in Canberra? Does anyone know? I don't. I don't know. But he seems to be an odd choice for the coach of coaches, it's a bit like Pat Howard being your high performance manager for cricket. I don't get it. Yeah. Um, so that 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 smacks of a bit of nepotism to me. But anyway, look, I think there needs to be because there are, there are courses available online now. You two could after this after this wonderful podcast, you two could head off into the the, the internet and become qualified touch judges online for free tonight. Um, the courses are there for for that sort of thing. Um, The course for concussion, there's courses for, you know, refreshing your smart rugby on how to coach, basics. Um, But how do we help people run a club? Not everybody is a university qualified accountant. Not everybody is, you know, um, runs their own business and knows how to balance the books. Not everyone knows how to keep on top of buying equipment and what's this going to cost. And, you know, we're, we're lucky in that we... Our main income source is um, we get a little bit of sponsorship from very generous sponsors. Can I name them? Can I? Sure. 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 All right. Yeah. Metricon Homes, Luke Fryer, if you're listening, you're the man. Um, Classic Home Improvements out at Emu Plains, flats.com.au I think it is. They're wonderful people. Um, you know, we... we these are very generous people, and they, they give us some of their time and some of their money, thankfully, and, you know, we put that towards equipment or whatever. And Toddy's Trees, ex-player of ours, he's an arborist, um, claims rugby's <laughs> too dangerous, but he climbs trees with a chainsaw. You can believe that. So, yeah, but rugby's too dangerous. No, I can't do that. Um, but, you know, we've, we've got great sponsors. We, we run a raffle down at our pub every Friday night, and we get amounts that... Um, Other, I have made other club administrators faint and weep at how much we pull out of that raffle because you know some of their raffles aren't that crash. I don't know. Maybe it's just winning personalities. I don't know. But anyway, we we generate that money and we put it towards our equipment and we don't have facilities to maintain, which is kind of good. But you know, we donate five six thousand dollars a year to to the kids' hospital at Westmead. So you know, we that's one of our goals, and that's who we are and we're a small social club and and we'd love to get bigger but um, once you do that there's more more in it to just kind of stuff you up and i think clubs lack that ability i mean i've got a guy who who runs his own business as an ex um you know um, retail manager i've got a guy who's works high up in education a guy who works high up in a building company a guy who um you know uh is a the, guys around the club who uh, are desk, desk jockeys like me. I'm, I'm an IT – I just say I'm an IT guy, but, um, you know, there's some great people working around me. Not all clubs have that. A lot of clubs have, you know, a few volunteers who make it run and then they get burned out and they leave. And There's limited continuity planning. There's – um, very basic handover of things. Most of the time you just learn it on the job because no one's documenting anything because where are you going to put it all? Um, teaching clubs to use Google documents and Google Drive and so everybody can share stuff or, or Microsoft 360 or Open Office, whatever you want to do. Things to keep the continuity going, I think that that's where a lot of smaller clubs fall over. You've got to be able to transfer that knowledge and I don't think... Um, Big clubs worry about that as much. Um, if you're an older club, you've got a lot of old boys around. They're your game day volunteers. They'll turn up and mend the barbie and set up the field and do the painting or whatever. Um, I, as president, am lead volunteer. Um, I write all the grant funding applications. I, you know, I run the touchline while I'm doing the scoring. Um, and, you know, there's there's multiple hats that everybody at the club wears. The rest of my committee... We'd gladly help with that, except the silly old buggers are all out there playing because we're short on numbers most weeks. So, you know, that's just the way it is. Um, you you don't if you don't have the history, if you don't have the juniors, it's difficult to have continuity on and off the field because old boys, colts, juniors, you know, these all these things all help feed what makes a successful club because many hands make light work. Um, and you know, a lot of clubs have restarts every few years. Something happens, bang. Lose a volunteer through burnout. Start again. Mm. Um, oh, what did they do? Uh, we're not exactly sure. Okay, cool. Are the post pads on and the corner pads in? And is there a rope around the field? All right, cool. That must have been their job. Are we sure? Don't know. That that's the kind of thing. It's it's learn as you go. Yeah, don't really
0: paint a rosy picture.
2: But look. It's amateur sport and it's tough and I'm sure, you know, the local junior soccer club have similar issues. The difference Mm. there is with a junior club of any kind, you've got parents around and, you know, some of them thinking, well, I'm stuck here for two hours anyway. I might as well, you know, get my hands dirty. Increasingly, though, I've noticed with, with certain, not even certain sports, but just juniors in general, parents treat it like a babysitting service now. So, I think that's a big threat for junior rugby is having the parents involved to the point where it's like, hey, can you be the manager and I'll be the coach? You know, let's split the roles and, you know, rotate it around a few years. But again, that kid leaves that club, suddenly you've lost a volunteer. How do yeah. you? Retention and, and recruitment are, are big challenges. And especially for rugby, especially when Waratahs aren't on, aren't on free to wear that often, and especially when even if they were, um, and I got a Waratah at training, unless they're probably Kirtley Beal or Israel Folau, maybe Hooper. Will Skelton would have been a great choice because he's massive. You can't miss the bloke. So I um, have met him once, and I was impressed. Um, but, you know, that's the kind of recognition you don't have with an NRL team. Kids at the local school could name probably all the Parramatta Eels. I couldn't. Um, could they name the Waratahs? Yeah, I don't think so. Definitely could not name their local Shoot Shield club. Or the people playing for it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it like it comes back down to connection with community and stuff like that, and how because because often clubs aren't just about um about the actual game itself, but how you actually engage with the community around you. Kind of one of and kind this actually leads us quite nicely. And you were mentioning like the likes of Will Skelton and all those players, uh, other players who you don't often get around there. Um, you know, like a few weeks ago, we had the Western Sydney Rams being removed from the NRC as well.
2: And oh, yeah, you've hit me angry switch. Oh, dear. Well, it's, it's something we have to do. <laughs> Yeah, we do. It's,
1: it, and it is a very frustrating um, kind of state of affairs, kind of the fact that you had a shoot shield team and then the team that represents that is represented in the national competition being removed as well. What's kind of your connection uh with the Rams what's kind of your history with the Rams
2: um so I was kind of around from the start i mean when when the Rams were first proposed i thought it was a great idea because i actually had one of the um i actually had a jersey from the 2007 edition of the Rams when the the Mazda the mark Mazda Australian rugby championship um so having a team in western sydney was a bloody great idea because You know, the, the, the Nuffies over in the eastern suburbs, I don't want to be, I don't want to be too kind of, you know, discriminatory or whatever, but they're Nuffies. Um, They, they, I understood where they were coming from. They were like, Oh, these franchise looking NRC things don't have any identity that we'd understand and blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, back to my ring fencing point, you have these clubs who are successful. And, you know, as long as, as long as they're winning premierships, everything's right with rugby. Um, whereas in Western Sydney, the visibility of, of Penrith and Param and the two blues wasn't what you'd call high. So having a, a you know, those two is the, the, sort of base of the pyramid with the Rams at the top um, along with Eastwood and, you know, cl- clubs on this side of, of the city. That was a really positive move in my in my book. And the mark, you know, obviously it had administrative problems and old uh, John O'Neill went and drove a bus over it, um, which, oh, look, was it the right move? Yeah, probably. Look, money wasn't wasn't high on the agenda as far as um, fiscal responsibility goes in the ARU back then. But um, cutting the Rams from this edition of the NRC – yeah, I understand that less and I've read the reasoning and I've 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 questioned whether we really have a city and a country team and whether that's, you know, it, it might be defining the professional pathway but it's narrowing it at the same time. And this is a thing the narrower the base of the pyramid, the lower the pyramid. And then they've said Sydney Rugby will be playing in their traditional blue strip and I'm like, okay, well You'd, you'd know what that was if you had followed rugby in the 70s uh, um, you know and then the second move was but to you know to, to make ourselves truly Sydney we're gonna play four games here and four games there and I'm like oh good so all over the place like a mad woman shit um, that'll that'll bring the fans rolling in that'll be that'll shore up the, the eastern strongholds for sure tell them to come to a game out in, in Parramatta they'll love that. That'll be amazing. And then you've alienated the people west of the M3 again because you've taken their team away and expect them to support the one that's based around a few clubs that you couldn't be asked going to see if someone paid you to. Well, maybe they paid me. Well, we're, we're talking 50 bucks plus fuel. Um, you know, I, I don't get that move and... You know, I understand the ownership model of the Rams is a little bit more um, private. There was a consortium who were who were doing their thing with the Rams and there were some good players there and, and that all seemed to be going okay. But, you know, the, the sticking point for me there, um, and I'm not saying I've got inside knowledge of any of this, but sticking point for me is Eastwood and probably Pappy. And, you know, I'm not sure if you listen, but Pappy, mate, just maybe just settle down, figure out where Eastwood are going to go next and... Just stand away from the NRC discussion, mate, because you're not helping. Um, the The fact that Eastwood – and it comes down to I think they didn't get what they wanted when the Rams were first formed. I think they wanted all the games at, at um, Milner so that they could take the gate and they could take the, the booze tab and all the other stuff, um, which would be nice if the place wasn't a dump. Um, and then you had other clubs like Uni – pretty much actively fighting the system by giving a token stars team into the NRC and then yanking it and throwing their support behind country and then, you know, they didn't win. And then it's one of those things where it's like if if I can't have this, nobody can. Uni, Randwick, East, they all wanted to be standalone clubs in a national competition. And when they didn't get that, the toys came out of the pram um, they stuck up the walls and in the background, they immediately made it difficult to, to change anything meaningful about rugby. But again, if your team's winning the premiership or if your blo- your kid's school is winning the, um, you know, the GPS or whatever, everything's right with rugby. You don't care. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's narrow minded and it's something that, that league in particular gave up long ago in their quest for expansion. Um, one of the key things you will never see a league commentator, and I single out Gus Gould, he will never criticise the game. He will criticise aspects of the game. He will criticise a ref's decision or a rule or a particular law um, or a particular way something's done, but he'll never criticise the game. and That's a big difference between how rugby media, media handles itself versus how rugby league media handles itself because they understand – the universe they sit in and they understand AFL's coming and, and you know, they know where the Golden Goose lays its eggs. So I think rugby has struggled to come to groups of that because there's always someone in the background who's got a little pissed off at someone else and just wants to stick the boot in and don't think about the good of the game as a whole. Mm.
1: Yeah, I think it kind of it, it shows it narrows back to the kind of... The, thinking not be not beyond like only thinking of your of your own club themselves and not thinking beyond yep. kind of as a yep. point on um, kind of like a because obviously we're heading into the NRC later this year
2: mm. and, we're,
1: yep. and we're assuming that there's only going to be the two New South Wales teams do you th- what do you think because now obviously the Rays are the only team in Sydney. Is there any is there any sort of mending or damage or damage control that can be done to stop fans being alienated further, or do you think it's just a case of complete disengagement now with the Rams being removed?
2: Um, I think one of the best things the Rams did, and you spoke about community engagement, was engagement of the Islander communities in Western Sydney, and you've been there. I mean, you've both been there. Um, probably to games I don't know Harty if you've been there but i know nick's been on the uh, on the lenses taking photos at um i met him there at rams versus where were we rams eagles I, I had to give that shield to patty friggin ryan jesus didn't that burn we were so close to winning that game anyway um it, we we were there and it was you know they had the they had the Pacific Islands Cup and they had New South Wales Māori versus New South Wales Samoa and, you know, New South Wales Fiji and New South Wales Tonga and you know, the stalls and the music and the dancing and the everything. And it was great. You know, it was really – it was it was germinating a seed of an identity to, to keep that club going. And um, I, I just don't know why you would throw that momentum away because – you know you can't ignore the fact that there's a lot of people moving to Sydney and Brisbane and you know rugby communities across Australia. out in the country there's you know a heap of Kiwi and Māori fellas and Islanders more and more. Um, they're working farm jobs, they're working mines, they're doing different things and they're all getting involved in the rugby community and to, to almost throw that away I, that's that's probably the part that makes me the most angry is you've got something that started to work and you've basically just torn it up and thrown it and said, no, no, Sydney rugby's fine. We'll all be fine. We'll wear blue jerseys and we won't have any organization. And where does that get you? Where does where does this – I understood some of the moves Pulver made to contract into the heartland and and shore up rugby when we weren't doing that well, but – you know, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backward. Rugby's, un- for better or worse, a business now. And if you're not moving forward, you're moving backward. And, you know, there's, there's so many other little things they could have done instead of just booting the Rams, um, you know, looking at the school system and fixing the pathways themselves. And um, I think we get a bit focused too much on the, on the money side of the game and not understanding that you need to build fans as well as, as great teams. Um, and you're not going to do that if you keep kicking teams out or changing the comp every couple of weeks. The in- inclusion of Fiji is, is massive mm. in the NRC. You know, that's a really good move. Um, but at the same time, there's world rugby money behind that. Um, so I don't I, – they, they – private consortium made the Rams, then New South Wales took it back, and then they've shredded it, and it's just – it beggars belief.
1: Mm. Do you think – so you reckon that – Kind of with this year, it's just going to be a case of, of no connection at all to for Western Sydney fans at, or, at all. Or do you think there is um, kind of?
2: I think. Oh yeah, I think it'll depend how they schedule those those four games. They're apparently bringing West. Whether West for them means Dromore, I don't know. <laughs> um, for those who don't know, Dromore is a suburb that's near Balmain, which is basically Western CBD. So, you know, not that far at all. I Go think and have we a look probably should
0: include a map of all locations yeah.
2: mentioned just for right yeah, by. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm getting a bit uh, Sydney-centric there, which Yeah, is we,
0: lost the, we lost the Queenslanders ages ago.
2: Yeah. Oh, I used three-syllable, four-syllable words, so it's <laughs> probably <laughs> – just kidding, Queenslanders. It's all right. It's all right. High six. Yeah, we're good. Um, <laughs> The uh, section is going to be good on that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so actually, I was with Nick. Actually, me and Nick went to the Rams Fiji game. Mm-hmm. Um, where they did have a, they had a, they I think that the schoolboys game on before, but right. there was definitely like a Fiji. Uh, I think there was like a Samoa Tonga game before, maybe. But yeah, I, I don't know like if
1: I'm... New South Wales. I think it was like I think it was a similar. Like, it's, like it was either under twenty Samoa versus under twenty Fiji, or something like yeah. that as well. It was, they, they got a great crowd there. It was like five thousand. It was huge. Yeah, like one of the large. I think it was like one of the largest crowds.
0: CGET. and that was
2: just immediate family.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, we've, um, had, so,
2: we've had for our club. We had um, four or five brothers play one day,
0: right,
2: okay. in the same grade. <laughs> New
0: Zealand just had three.
2: Big families, yeah. The Barrett, Uh,
0: I'm not sure they can.
2: They can't be brothers (laughs) if they're grown in a tank.
0: (laughs) Um, So, I mean, I guess you can can include keeping the Rams in your answer, but what do you think, like, what would you say, you know, just quickly, you know, what New South Wales are you, or whoever's in charge of Western Sydney at large can do to – Really, just short term, make Western Sydney rugby uh, better or more viable.
2: Yeah, that, that's a complex thing. Bring back the Rams is probably a good point, but um, I, I think they need to, and I hope they have started work. Andrew Horan and all these guys um, in the fish heads tanker up there at Moore Park. I hope they have started work on what a Western Sydney team would look like. I think that's at, at, at Shoot Shield level because two blues are doing a great job and they're constantly trying to evolve and make their culture better. But this, there's this talk of a Western Sydney uni team, you know, or based at Western Sydney uni, similar to the way in which Macquarie uni have integrated with, with some teams and Sydney friggin' uni have just been Sydney uni forever. Um,
0: Macquarie's well, got the Rays and they've got
2: mm-hmm. a sevens team in the yep. they've got women's, they've time. got a subbies, Macquarie Uni have a subbies team in Division 4, a subbies club rather. Um, so, you know, it, I, I think that kind of model is probably something to look at moving forward. You know, we already see Queensland Country playing at Bond University. Um, uh, you know, Brisbane can probably hook up with UQ or, or whatever. And I think that... Model may, in the way that South Africa has their varsity system, that may be something that that happens moving forward. I'd like to know what that structure is going to be like and what administrative help they're going to get and how they're going to engage the community because even if they base it at Western Sydney Uni and Parramatta, they're very, very close to the two blues at Granville, there, um, very, very close to where Eastwood are now. There's no word on where Eastwood are actually going. I don't think they even know yet. Pappy's just sitting there chucking darts at a board with a map stapled to it. Um, you know, the, the, the key thing is I think they need to look at the way junior rugby is run and structured. There's massive opportunity to get sevens through primary schools in the public school system. And I think we need to throw the gates open and tear down the walls on the school system can't keep having a GPS system with six schools in it, only two or three of which are any good in a given year and the rest are getting humped because these schools have a couple of star kids. Um, people are going to get thrashed. People, are, are going to be some hideous beatings from GPS to – I don't know all the associations. I know there's bloody four or five of them, but um, and then you're going to have turnarounds where a bunch of, of combined high school, public school kids – who play league on Sundays are just going to tear the best GPS school a new one because they play offload league style rugby and they're just not going to be able to cope with the physicality. What I need everybody to do in Western Sydney is start learning from each other and stop. Now that the problem we have is when everyone else is ring fencing, there's a lot of infighting going on. And I, you know, there's rivalry between clubs and then sometimes it gets a bit, a bit messy. Um, what we need to do is start working together, I think. And maybe maybe in Western Sydney we have to take it in hand and say, all right, we're not going to have a breakaway comp or anything, but we're going to get good people in and we're going to spread around this administrative knowledge and how do you run a club and how do you keep it going day to day? What's recruitment and retention look like when you've got, you know, different cultures, different socioeconomic fabric? Um, I think maybe that administrative piece at junior and senior level is what's missing because people are trying to go it alone and think they've they've got a handle on it, and then suddenly something changes. There's a turnaround, a life change, something you lose a volunteer, and and you're at risk of losing your club. You just don't have the support.
1: You really think it really comes down in the end, kind of similar to what league and and um, AFL do. Is kind of starting from the club from the school system specifically begin with like you mentioned that you know for example sevens is something that's done quite well um Mm. some sort of engagement level starting there with this like some saying like a sevens um program to get young people excited about the game and then kind of link that up with local clubs and stuff like that do you think that would be a good example precisely Mm.
2: precisely you know sevens is is pretty straightforward kids get it um i i went to a high school out in the middle of nowhere it was a league town forever and their under-16s and under-18 girls are top three or four in the state now because they had a one rugby teacher came into the high school and started teaching rugby to the girls because the boys are playing league, so the girls played union. And, you know, I see them on Facebook every now and then winning stuff, and I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Um, so, so sevens in primary school, say, and then in junior high school, you know, move on to tens um, for a schools comp. And then in senior high school, full 15s and get a, get rid of the namby pamby rules for open for the first 15. Like teach these kids how to scrum, teach them how to line out properly. Stop the safety thing is a, is the cotton wool factor is, is why safety is a problem. It's because, you know, you've never let this kid try and tackle someone 20 kilos heavier than him. Um, wait for age can bugger off too, just quietly. Um, that's an aside. It can piss right off. Having to have every kid assessed by a level two coach when there's only about thirty of them in a the hole in New South Wales is a friggin' joke. So, Braylene, if you're listening, tell them to shove it. Um, the uh, so the engagement in the schools on on that kind of casual basis and and you know weekday comps will lead those kids to rugby clubs. Maybe they'll be playing sevens. In their school and then playing, you know, the modified games, um, you know, under, under 12s, I think is, is 10 side or something, I forget, but you know, minis are uh, seven or eight on the field and then you've got 10 and then 12 and then 15. Run those things in parallel. Keep the kids interested. You're going to get attrition. You're going to get kids who start a sport and then have had enough of that sport and they just move with their mates or something Something else happens. They just get sick of it. You've got to have ready replacements for that. You can't be relying on clubs to get out there and, and do their thing. You can get government funding to go out of the public schools and get sevens happening. Um, you know, And from there, it can have a massive knock-on effect. Um, show those kids how much fun rugby is. It's particularly the girls. I mean, they've got some fabulous role models in our sevens national team. Um, we've got a women's sevens comp. We've got, you know, just some, some awesome stuff happening in the women's game. I would love to run a, a women's, um, comp at my club, uh, a, a women's team for sevens. Um, just, you know, just struggling to keep 15s for men going in the stage. But these are, are things where you can get that engagement from the, the, the ladies which translates into mums, which translates into dads watching their daughters, which brings that community aspect to it. And then, you know, you keep working at it. You can't just throw it out there and go, all right, everyone, rugby's awesome. Show up. Yeah. You've got to keep engaging with them. And NRL does that so well. Oh, God, it's it's the most, sorry, personal opinion, but painful thing to watch. But they do their promotion well and they fund it well and they know they know where their fan base is from. Mm,
1: yeah, kind of leading into like a probably a good a good place to uh, to end end, the, end this, which is kind of you think that kind of like what we've been talking about being involved in schools, being connecting it with the clubs, getting girl, more girls playing rugby, doing sevens, doing tens. Do you think this is the ideal way to you know counteract a lot of the change that, you know that sees AFL and NRL encroaching on kind of those rugby highlands? Because I mean, like you mentioned earlier. rugby rugby league um, they know that AFL is coming and that AFL is getting a stronger uh, foothold within Sydney's West Um, do you see this as kind of being the ideal way to counteract that change that's going on in Western Sydney? I
2: I think it's really the only option Um, those two are bringing bringing guns to a knife fight at the moment if rugby's going to be a competitor um, we've got a We've got a fork, you know. <laughs> they're, they're bringing they're bringing baseball bats, and we've got a fork um, out in the, in this part of Sydney because we're relying on you know independent schools. We're relying on on you know the the goodness of volunteers and the kindness of strangers. Um, it's it's a tough environment. I'm not saying it's any, any easier for league or AFL um, at local club level, but. You know, they're, they're running Auskick programs and they're running little programs for NRL kids and they've got local stars to turn up there and, you know, kids, bloke from the West Tigers or Penrith or Parramatta or whatever, they've got identity in the community and people will go to them and there's feeder clubs that are well-defined and, um, you know, there's there's... Genuine spirit about what they do. I'd, I'd some people would say league sit on their laurels a little bit in Western Sydney. I don't think they do. I think in the last five years, you know, since the Giants got stood up here and a bunch of AFL clubs popped up, and we've got yeah, we've got AFL goals appearing on at Kings, isn't it? Don't Kings have a yeah. AFL field yeah. now? You know, if that's not a massive red flag. Dancing up and down on a purple harpist cord saying we've got a problem. Then I don't know what is.
1: Mm, absolutely, I agree with that, and I think that's probably a good a good place to uh, to finish up here. Thanks, um, thanks so much for uh, for coming on and having a chat to us and talking about um how rugby is in Western Sydney because it is a it is a complicated thing and it's something that we hear about a lot and uh, it's good to to kind of chew the fat and talk about how important this topic is because you know talking about it and and coming up with a good solution is the best way to kind of start to enact change, I
2: reckon. Absolutely. You know, we need that dialogue. We need everybody to help each other out. And I mean from – I mean across the country. I mean everybody getting together and just saying it's time to, you know, let's have our our cheeky cheeky rivalries, but let's get together and make this sport work because it's a great sport. There are great people involved. And I think when we take off our, you know, loyalties, we're all the same people underneath – um, get those club colours out of the way, work out a solution and then move forward from there. Mm. It's just like playing the game. You know, you can fight as hard as you want on the field, but afterwards, let's have a beer and figure out what to do next.
1: could not have said it any better. Thank you so much for mm. the drop kickoff, mate.
2: Not a problem. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. Thanks, Fitzy. Thanks, mate. All right. So
1: I think that'll, um, that'll wrap us up for this re- next last second episode of the dropped Kickoff Nick H, have you got anything else you want to add?
0: I do not. All
1: right, guys, thank you very much for having a listen, and uh, we'll catch you next time we come around.
0: Gone the wallabies. The wallabies. (laughs) But what did go wrong?
2: I'll have to look, look and think about it. Think about it deeply, very deeply.
1: Did it hinge in the end on a bit of genius from Shirley Bombo?
2: Bit of genius, bit of magic, Shirley Bombo. Very interesting. Very good, yeah. Very good. Three cheers for Sarelli Bombo. Very good. Very good.